Yo, yo, yo. Episode 36 of Room 9 is here. But before I introduce this episode, this is a friendly reminder to get on room9podcast.com and damn it, fill out a contact form. Send us a message. Give us a topic you want to hear. Give us a guess you want to hear. I know you guys, right when you hear me say this, when I say let us know a guest you would like to hear on here, or at least attempt to get on here. I know somebody rings in your head. Maybe you want to come on. Fill out a contact page. Email me at seancuddyhe at room9podcast.com. Do something. Let me know what's up, what you guys want to see happen in here. I know you're out there. I know you're listening. Do it. You can also help out Room 9 by sharing all our social media pages, liking us on Facebook at Room 9 Podcast checking out our stuff if you want to help out even more you can help out monetarily with room9podcast.com backslash support page you can give one time you can give monthly and that is something that would help us out greatly especially with the technical issues we've been having trying to get a new audio interface is the next purchase it has been cutting out on me it's believe it was the reason that the episode with Janet Gaskin got ruined which is being rescheduled as we speak and it's the reason why I've done two episodes now since the Janet Gaskin and failure and it's just I've had issue after issue after issue and I have come to the conclusion that is my audio interface so that's on the list of uh, necessities for room nine So, episode 36, I sit down with an incredibly awesome, beautiful human being, Brittany Bennett. She is a licensed mental health counselor. She is the sole proprietor of her own business as well, and her business is Bridge Over Troubled Water. If you would like to check out her services, what she offers, she does a bunch of different good stuff. Her website is botwservices.com. That's botwservices.com. And you can check out what she has to offer. She's got a lot going on. She is an amazing person. We kind of get into a little bit of the benefits of mindfulness and helping you sleep. We get into discussions on the importance of communications and relationships. Talk a little bit about the stigma of why it's okay to go to a primary physician about a physiological issue, but when you have a psychological issue, you almost look weak. And there's a lot of awesome things. We get a little bit on language in the language we use. So much good stuff throughout this episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Despite the technical difficulties I had, this episode came out pretty well. So, without further ado, Room 9, Episode 36, Brittany Bennett. Enjoy, and I love you guys. As always, I have to end with that. All right. Peace out. Wait a minute. You're showing color. Oh, you better believe it. How you gonna know? Think about that one. timed out it seems like that's what it is (laughs) all right sweet yeah so i've had nothing but frustration with my sound recording recently it's tough because trying to figure out narrowing down what the problem is there's so many like possibilities of what the problem is is why the recording goes bad sometimes and okay it's such a pain in the ass to try to like narrow it down Mm. like what is it why is it so you have to like turn on certain things and hit record turn off certain things and probably spent 20 hours this past weekend trying to figure it out that's really too bad so yeah i don't know exactly what i did but i'm seeing i had it running with 
um, a podcast playing on my phone the other day, just into the microphone mm-hmm. and let it go for like an hour, two hours, and nothing happened. So really, it, it seemed good. So that's good then. So hopefully, so I if hope you so. catch me glancing over at this computer a little more. Oh yeah, you're fine. Do whatever you gotta like do. Too often, I'm paying attention. I'm just making sure our conversation is still getting recorded. Sure. Because it's a pain in the ass. But yes, Brittany Bennett, right? That's correct. correct yeah. Yes. Well, thank you for uh, inviting me to your your room. No, thank you for having me. I love it. Yeah, I seen this the BU on your video online. <laughs> I, I when you told me that I said I should really update the website. It's been a little while. It's been around for a few years. I think it's time for me to take a look again and maybe make some slight redo, adjustments. Redo the video. I would. The sound quality isn't as great as I would like it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, just a few little tweaks here and there. And you know, as time goes on, it's been three years. I think to myself, there's probably some things that I, I'd like to to update. I was thinking about like how I could do that because on Adobe, this program I'd use to edit audio, it's easy to. Sw- switch it over to the video and i was like i wonder i could probably get paid good money to do that for people that could be like record the audio and then Mm -hmm. just add it to the video but i'm getting way ahead of myself yeah but there's so many opportunities with that Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's endless it just depends on whether or not you want to do it and your availability i guess it is everything is time isn't it everything is is. unfortunately (laughs) revolved around time if we could teach ourselves everything i mean i've spent i don't know how many hours because I knew nothing when I started the podcast, mm-hmm. and I spent many hours trying to just teach myself, watching videos, reading articles on how to edit, how sure. to use effects, and and I got a grip. I was using a free program, like I was telling you about. When you if you start one, yeah, there's free programs out there, and then I switched over to the Adobe one, which is a paid program. And so with this free program, I'm like, all right, I'm getting the hang of this. Mm-hmm. I got this. You know, I'm getting to know stuff. And then I got this paid program, like, oh, my God, I don't know anything. It's so different. <laughs> it, it, what's helpful is if they do, like, those online tutorials where you can, like, follow along. You you know, mm-hmm. look at that on your phone, but have your equipment up and then try to do the, you know, try to do something yourself. Adobe's awesome because they make it very easy to learn, mm-hmm. and they will actually have, like, stuff pop up on the app. So you oh, want to learn guide. how to add a compression effect or something. It oh, says you go here, click here do this Mm -hmm. these buttons do this so yeah they really make it easy for you to learn that's nice which is awesome but i mean everything is kind of becoming like that now though everything's right at our fingertips most of the time yep Mm -hmm. and again it just comes down to time yeah if you have the time you can learn it time and commitment but then even if you do learn it then you have to actually retain it and then sometimes Mm -hmm. that takes up even more time (laughs) oh it always it always everything's always ever changing so (laughs) you learn one thing and then they're already updating next thing you know yeah you don't know it anymore (laughs) <laughs> that is the truth in some cases. Oh, my gosh. So you are a licensed mental health counselor, correct? Yes, that is correct. There's so many different credentials, aren't there? It oh can be my hard gosh. to differentiate them, but I am. I'm what's called the LMHC, or the Licensed Mental Health Counselor. Um, my training really um, you know, focuses on the different type of therapies that there are to utilize in conjunction with mental health diagnoses. Um, so, I mean, there's there's psychologists, there's social workers, licensed mental health counselors, and oh, we're kind of grouped on. under the umbrella, but we all do have some variation to some degree no pun intended (laughs) (laughs) but yeah there is a lot like i'm trying to memorize them speaking of uh retaining Mm -hmm. uh certain things i'm just like oh my gosh what does this stand for again okay yeah that's exactly the ksac one i see a lot of obviously being revolved more around uh, substance use Mm mm-hmm that is it. But you said you started yours, uh, your in, not in internship wouldn't be the word, but the hours you had to get in. What Correct. is the term for that? Well, that so the internship is before you get your degree. That's okay. when you're learning, when you're learning, when you're in training, and then once you get your degree, then for social workers and licensed mental health counselors, for example, when you get your first job in a clinic, if you will, or wherever you're going to be performing your work and quote-unquote practicing, you're practicing to obtain your hours over time. So for a licensed mental health counselor, you have to do so many hours face-to-face working with your clients before you can get before you can get the go to get your license. So you have okay. to get your hours, and then you have to pass your national exam. And then once you get both those things, then you're good to go. Then you're good. That's for the LMHC. It varies a little bit differently per credential, but that's what okay. it was for me. And you can get, so there's different types of... Uh, and some take longer than others. Yeah, I assume mm-hmm. that, yeah. I mean, I'm just doing the peer advocate recovery coaching thing oh, great. That's for excellent. New York State. And there's so many different ones of those too. You can get the family, sure the provisional. And I mean, they, they go all over the place. Half the time I feel like it's just to make money. 
Yep. And you know what, though? That's such a great point because that's when it gets really challenging with sometimes people find themselves debating, should I do this because there is more money in this one? But at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, there's so much variation and so much to choose from that you might as well just choose the one that you want to do because you can still have opportunities once you get the degree that best suits you, Mm -hmm. I think is what it comes down to. You know, I looked at the degrees between social work and licensed mental health counselor, and I just, I read the curriculum. I went on to some local colleges that stood out to me, read the curriculum, compared the curriculum and I just felt that the LMHC was meant for me and my lifestyle at the time but then when I got it well I should say when I chose which degree I wanted the mental health counseling at the time that I was looking at colleges that offered the degree you could actually choose to have mental health counseling and a school counseling degree combined and then once I graduated with my bachelor's they took that away and you had to really? you had to actually <laughs> do them separate you there was no option to do them combined anymore oh, of course. so I felt kind of left out on that and then I thought well I'd really like to be specializing in marriage and family therapy as well but it's a whole separate license oh, and there's the LMFT not to confuse the, you anymore oh, my gosh. <laughs> but point being there's so many different things to choose from so I think I just kind of remind myself what do I identify with most because if I'm doing what I love to do then I'll never question it at the end of the that's very true and Mm -hmm. that's kind of what I've learned the hard way and that's why I'm almost 34 finally doing something I love to do because I couldn't stand going to work I've always has I always had that like burning like emptiness and fire inside of me when I would go like work in a kitchen which I love cooking but mm-hmm. just it just didn't do it for me. Even when I got into fine dining, I just could not deal with it. Anyway. Like I always felt like, oh, my God, what am I doing with my life? I'm too smart to be doing something like this. I don't understand. And not that dumb people just work in kitchens. Or right. I was also cutting area rugs because I thought, oh, maybe if I change the hours up and I'm working Monday through Friday mm-hmm. and have paid vacations, maybe that's it. And it was still I was going doing this stuff. I'm like, what is going on? Like I need to do something else with my life. And I just knew it had something to do with helping and working with people. That's really um, well said. And I I can't help but think that the way that you just described that whole transition of, you know, feeling like, oh, I'm 34. What am I doing with my life? I don't want to be doing the cooking the whole time. I think that really kind of, you know, showcases and comes down to, like you said, the age of 34. And I thought to myself, that sounds so young to me (laughs) that you would be questioning that, which also says a lot about you and your character and the pressure that maybe whether it's you, you put on yourself or society puts on us as people Mm -hmm. to start questioning, what am I doing? I think to myself, 34 who's to say that that's too old or, or, oh, or too young, you know? Social institutions will do that. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's, that's another thing, too. The pressures of society mm-hmm. and friends and family and our own self, it kind of dictates how we feel, which is really, really unfortunate. And it's, I think it's unfortunate that you, you know, felt that way. And I think that so many people can identify with the way that, oh my gosh, that, you, yes. that you felt then and maybe even feel now. Well, so many people do that. One of my favorite philosophers always talks about life, you know, being a game. And he always says from the day you're pretty much well born, you're pressured to walk. Mm-hmm. Like my kid's going to walk before you're your kid. And it just starts. And then you get into junior high and then you graduate high school and you get your degree. Then you have to go to college and you get that degree. Then you work your way up the ladder in this big company. And then you get to the top floor and you're the CEO and you realize this, you feel no different than you did before. Isn't that the truth? You know, the one thing that I wish that, that we as people could spend more time on is I always say, why can't we as a society think of education differently like and I, mm-hmm. trust me, okay, I don't want to talk about politics I don't want to reference politics <laughs> but what I do want to say is when I hear education 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 I think to myself why are we missing the mark why aren't we starting as young as elementary school doing weekly field trips to different places hospitals mm-hmm. restaurants hotels aquariums zoos I mean you name it it should be weekly field trips and children should naturally be able to identify or I should say the parents and teachers those that are responsible for monitor- monitoring these kids should be able to say you know what I saw so and so they every every week they gravitate towards going to this um this hotel or this library or something like that I think the sooner we can implement exposing ourselves to anything Mm -hmm. with no judgment or no expectation that we as people can develop a purpose sooner on in life and know what it is that we might be interested as interested in as we get older it's just I just wish that that could happen more often I couldn't agree more. It drives me it drives me nuts. And I think a lot of other people get these grandiose ideas of like, I want to be a rock star mm-hmm. or a movie star. I mean, I have a good buddy of mine who has felt like that and he just got out of electrician school. 
Yeah. And he's like, I was, I love it. I love my job. I love tinkering with little things, figuring out problems. Like there's so many things out there, a farmer or whatever it is that people will probably could end up loving to do. That's so true. You got to be open to it. You got to try it. And you know what, too? I'm just going to throw this out there. Buffalo is an up and coming place for yeah. movies and theater. And you can see that there's local listings in the so local much. news on television, um, on the websites, on the buffalonews.com. They list all those local movies coming up that you can apply to with having no background. And that can be your foundation for building a resume, even mm-hmm. if it's on occasion work. It doesn't mean you have to do it long term, but how fun would that be oh that'd be great i mean and yeah i think that's awesome and best of both worlds right it's you're still able to somewhat afford living somewhere in the city because you go to like la or new york city you can't do that even if you were making good decent Mm -hmm. money in this city compared to there you wouldn't even be able to survive so it is an awesome and awesome opportunities i think are happening in the city agreed which is cool which i mean i guess my example you know i'm a great example of it too because there really are no kind of podcasts especially centered around substance use Mm -hmm. that are up and coming at all. There's like nothing. Isn't that amazing? And it's just, and it's been around for a very, very long time. Yeah, it has. And yeah, there's even, I've looked around on the country. There's very few halfway decent podcasts, which I can't believe because you'd be hard pressed to find one person that has not been at least affected one way, shape or form by substance use disorder. That's so true as unfortunate as that is it is dead on do you deal with a lot now i know you said you started off in horizons but do you get Mm -hmm. a lot of um, people in your uh company your practice you know what's interesting is and this goes to me being in private practice when you're in private practice you have a little bit more of an option to pull in the type of clientele that you think you would best work with and that you would best fit with Mm -hmm. and for me what I found that I really love to do is to work with loved ones who have a loved one that's experiencing addiction and or mental health condition because so often the family members themselves either are not educating themselves by choice Mm -hmm. are not aware of the resources available to them to educate themselves or are not ready to educate themselves so I think that's a lot of a lot of importance should be focused on for the family members to help support them in how to learn how to support their loved one. So I spend a lot more time working with family members who have loved ones with mental health and or addiction than I do working with someone with an addiction themselves in my private practice. Well, I find I've actually have found more of my audience the more I grow and I meet people as is actually family members. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because that's what I've had. I've done an episode with my mom, my sister. I listened to those, yeah. My girlfriend, mm-hmm. I did two episodes with her, my good my good buddy. I've done one with a couple whose son died of an overdose. Wow. And so I've really had a lot of family members that aren't necessarily using uh, alcohol or drugs, but their family members are. And sure. that has been one of the biggest things. Everybody says they need you need to educate because it's such a difficult thing to deal with and know how to deal with it and not only educate on what addiction is like and how it can impact you know the body and the mind but also to to be able to educate on what the process of treatment looks Mm -hmm. like because sometimes what options are out there what options are out there and then Unfortunately, sometimes those that are in treatment themselves are not ready to have family integrated, Mm -hmm. either because of pressures, judgment, or they know their family well enough to feel or or think that they will not participate maybe in a supportive way. So sometimes I think uh, family gets kind of pushed on the back burner, sometimes for a short term or sometimes for the entire time someone's in treatment. And I just wish that family members could have more options to be integrated either in the treatment with their loved one or which is starting to develop now where there's, you know, seminars or support groups for family Mm -hmm. members. But I wish there would be more of that. I'm hoping within time um, there will be more attendees and it will continue to grow. I think there is. I did a podcast, I think just a couple episodes ago. He was a instructor of the recovery coach classes I was taking so I drove up to Penfield New York and did an episode with him and I loved how he said and he's really really focused on trying to shift the perspective to because we just focus on the negatives of substance use Mm -hmm. what we need to change sure and there's a lot that does need to be changed there's no doubt about that but there's so much that has been changed Mm -hmm. and he really just wants to just talk about more of that makes a lot of sense like yes we do have a lot of things we have to get going and you know a a long place (laughs) to go yep but let's talk about the things that have been great and he really hammers home about just identifying people's strengths 
as opposed to picking out everybody's weaknesses all the time. And I think that's such an important thing because, I mean, that was something I had to do for myself as an individual and really work on was, I mean, in my mid-20s, I developed this introspective monster. Mm -hmm. So I just stopped watching sports and I just got into psychology and philosophy and all I found was this piece of shit human being that had a lot of things to work on. Hmm. And I really had to try to develop self-compassion. And that's something I've, it took me till probably the last two years to really start doing. Sure. Is, all right, you deserve to be loved, forgiven, accepted, and all of those other things. And that's something I, as a person, as an individual, I'm trying to push out there with just even this podcast mm-hmm. and doing things like that. And I think it comes back to a lot of it is societal and Agreed. such a lack of, yeah, uh, I'm not good enough that is around. And it's so important, I think, to start really pushing the everybody's good enough. I love that idea of identifying the strengths more often. And mm-hmm. you know what I think is really, really great is sometimes when I'm working with someone, and this goes even outside of my private practice, I don't feel that I get the opportunity to do it as much with friends or family, um, or maybe I'm just not as aware of it in my personal life outside of my my practice. But I think to myself, or I ask my my clients, that's how you describe yourself. How do you think your mother or your father or your 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 significant other might describe your mm. positive traits? Because it's very telling. It's telling in the sense of can they identify what they think their loved one would identify as a strength of theirs? Would it be the same? And if you can bring in that additional party someday, what are the descriptors that that person would identify for the client, if you Mm -hmm. will? Um, And it can be really wonderful because we as people may never know how someone actually feels about us unless we ask and Mm -hmm. if they're telling us the truth. So what a great opportunity to be able to spend the time um, talking with family about how would they describe the strengths of those around them? Which I think that's awesome, too, because half the time what we think other people think of us isn't even true. Isn't that the and truth? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really amazing. That. I think it's, I'm trying to think of the Cooley, I think it was, the father of sociology, and he always had that quote. Oh, wow. I'm not, I'm not, oh, come on, I'm a screwed up. I'm impressed with your quotes. I've listened to, to a handful of your <laughs> podcasts, and you always pull one out. I'm like, wow, now where were you in that time when you came across that quote? That's what I think when you say those things, you know? Oh, I did. It's I, pretty I, impressive. I did. I develop, I told you I developed this introspective monster, and all I did was read, 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 philosophy, psychology, mm-hmm. mainly. I mean, a lot of, I mean, Carl Jung is one of my favorites. I'm sure you've come across the Socrates, the unexamined life is not worth living. Mm-hmm. That was um, one of my yearbook quotes. Was it? Yeah, oh, from 2004. Awesome. <laughs> um, and it still applies to, to, to my life today and I, I think that's really what kind of um, I think that really highlights the essence of, of therapy for me as a therapist mm-hmm. is we are all so deserving to take the time to understand what life means to us and what we value and doing more of it and I feel like we as people miss the mark on importance um, again to your point earlier those societal pressures it really influences what, sh- what should maybe be important to us when mm-hmm. that's just reflected in like social media Facebook and Twitter oh and Instagram gosh, yeah. and it's you know most times we're posting only the positive things. So I always say if someone's more in like a depressed state or a depressed mood, stay away from the social media oh my um, gosh, yes. because it, it can only bring us down if we're not really prepared to see only positive um, moments mm-hmm. when we don't feel positive about, you know, our life in, in those moments. But I think, you know, just taking the time to identify what makes us feel good. So like for me, for example, listen, I like a date with a couch, okay? I like <laughs> watching TV. I like getting all my snacks. I like being in my, my sweatpants as soon as I get home from work. It's doing more of those things that I look forward to. I started leisurely reading and I, through a series of, you know, books in a book club, I was able to identify the type of reading material that I liked. Never would have pegged myself for loving murder mystery. But it's my go-to, and I love making time to do the reading, or making a good meal, or saving up to go out for a meal at a restaurant that I've been mm-hmm. looking forward to. It's those small things that really excite the mind and bring comfort to the mind, whether we see it in the bigger picture or not, because it's all the smaller parts that equal the sum of our being. That's a great point. I mean, a lot of people don't take time for themselves, and mm-hmm. I mean, I have that's something I remind myself all the time is it's okay to put Netflix on and turn your brain off That's for a right. moment. We need it. Yeah, it's and, imperative, actually. And Because and you'll ruin anything you're doing, no matter how much you love it, if you don't make sure you do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Spend. And it's okay to back out of commitments, and it's okay to not give an excuse for not committing to something either. I like to really put that point out there. Just because we said we're going to do something doesn't mean that it's the right time for us, and we owe no one an explanation other than ourselves. I'm glad you say that because I have to, I'm in the middle of like shift 
lifting part-time side jobs and I have to drive some people to a rehab in Utica tomorrow morning. Wow. And I have to call this other place and be like, I can't come in and I hate calling off. And I, you know, like, and I know that this person's shorthanded and I'm just like, oh, I've been dreading it to do it all day and i'm just like son of a bitch well, listen. And it is super important to uh it's super important but listen i i got news for you it's like <laughs> we have to do what's going to be best for us mm-hmm. and again no one knows what we're going through unless we ask and if we decide to tell them the truth about what's going on by you rearranging that commitment it's up to you to decide you know what you want to share with that person but i mean end of the day we have to do you know what's what's best for us that's a fact. I agree. Yeah, and that's sometimes it's very hard for us to do. It's crazy as individuals that we want to say yes to everything, but then you end up forming resentments and getting angry. That and reminds me that okay, I, I wanted to say something I couldn't remember it, but I wanted to say and it was drifting off, and then that just reminded me of it, and I'm forgetting it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't believe that. I keep wanting to say this one thing, and then I keep forgetting. When you said you're dreading the call because you're feeling guilty. And I was going to say, I got news for you. What that to me means is that you care. And I hope that Mm -hmm. that in itself is enough for you to feel okay with, with canceling. Yeah. And that's a great, and that's, I was having that pep talk with myself on the drive here pretty much. Mm -hmm. I think so much we want to make sure other people think we care. I think that's a great point. Mm -hmm. And I think we do that a lot in our lives, but I'm just going to shift gears anyway. And why did you, what made you kind of want to get into this field? Was it mm-hmm. experience in your life growing up? Was mm. it just wanting to help people? Well, uh, it's pro- I mean, I'm sure a little bit of my, you know, childhood upbringing had some type of influence, but I do have an answer and I really enjoy sharing the answer. So there was a movie, I believe it came out in probably 1992 or 1993. It's called Harriet the Spy. Um, and it's about a young girl who's in probably elementary or middle school who um, is having some problems at home and her parents make her go see a therapist. It might have been a psychologist actually um, from the movie. But I watched the movie and I was so impressed and I was young. I was probably 10 years old and I was so impressed that there was a job where you can be in a room, decorate it however you want Mm -hmm. and have the trust of working with someone who may open up to you and share what's going on in their life. I was so impressed with having the opportunity of being that person who holds that trust for that person. Mm-hmm. It sometimes makes me emotional when I, when, I, when I think about it and talk about it, but I just thought, wow, what an amazing feeling to know that you are that person to be able to be that special person for that person, if that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. There's something, because that's one thing I love about just being a great listener and really just kind of talking with people about what's going on in their lives. And it's why I had to reteach myself how to like do small talk again, because mm-hmm. I would rather just not talk than to talk about nonsense. Ah, sure. But there's something just because that's what it's just genuinity, authenticity, sure. vulnerability, just the rawness of what every human being is. And you are there to share that moment with them. And there's something super almost ineffable about it mm-hmm. because you're just somebody's pouring their life out to you. And you know what? Sometimes the pouring of the life doesn't always happen as much as maybe someone would hope that it would when they come mm-hmm. to therapy. Uh, it but takes it, time. Yeah, it does. And sometimes people don't always get there. But it doesn't mean that progress is not being made and that work is not being done. Because let me tell you something: you just thinking about going to therapy is the first step, and actually showing up is a whole new, mm-hmm. whole new agenda, a whole new light that you have set before you. That's huge. It is well, and there's such a stigma of you're weak if you go to therapy. I just wish so bad I knew where that came from. I know, know, it's so crazy. I get mind blown sometimes and mental health and addiction is being spoken about more publicly in the past year than it ever has to my knowledge. Yeah, no, Um, it definitely is. And I just, I think to myself, where did the stigma begin? I know, you know, generations and, and whatnot, but I just think to myself with the global platform that we have now for social media, why is, everyone's challenging the stigma with coming about and sharing their stories, but why are we still... Why is it there? Why, Yeah, why is society still focusing on the stigma piece? Let's just embrace and accept the change. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't, I would be interested to look up to see, was there a period of time where there was, it wasn't there and then something happened culturally that sh- shunned it? And then it went hidden again, or has it just always been very, very slow 
progression to like get to where we're at now and just we got to talk about this it's okay I can't help but think that you know the psychiatric centers way back when in the day um, you know would greatly influence our society's thoughts on why people are going for mm-hmm. treatment and we use different words now too before it was institutionalized language is a huge thing that's absolutely all the time. institutionalized to treatment to self-care that's the the new mm-hmm. the new and that is what should be used that is what it is you are taking care of yourself making time for yourself to take care of yourself which there's not enough of so I really do think that stigma probably was associated way back when um, with the institutionalized and medications not being available yet Mm -hmm. to help treat symptoms and society back then not really understanding you know the psyche the normal psyche Mm -hmm. so I think that that's where it came from yeah hey again no (laughs) pun intended (laughs) but I think overall you know we're finally starting to make that movement but gosh it's slow isn't it it is it seems it seems extra slow I like to want to focus on the positive Mm -hmm. there is a movement things are changing good things are happening people are talking about it but it's so bizarre you nobody says you're weak when you have the flu and you go to the doctor Mm -hmm. that's perfectly fine you're allowed to do that and when family members say go to the doctor why aren't you going to just go to the doctor or i hate to say it and i don't i don't really like to separate genders all the time but i did just recently see an article um that focuses on men's health and how men as they're aging are not going to the doctors for that yearly visit and how when they miss the mark on the yearly visit it really can have some significant Mm. effects that there's some you know underworking developments of some medical conditions that could be caught early so point is our family members or let's say you know the spouse of of that man may say go to the doctors you're not feeling well you're you're feeling nauseous every night or maybe they have a gluten you know allergy but it's so different you're forcing and you're encouraging people to go to the mm-hmm. doctor for their medical ailments but it's 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 shunned or quiet or not acknowledged when someone's not feeling themselves yeah when it comes to yeah this the psyche you're right it just it's like nope I'm weak and you have to be stronger than that. It's funny because I have found in my life the psychological battle is always a million times more difficult than the <laughs> physiological battle. Sure. I think the even when, you know, coming off of um, my heroin addiction, mm. I totally, re- physiological part was easy. You know, you suck it up for three or four days, you wow. know, maybe even, you know, seven. It's the mental part. Sure. That is the most difficult thing. And that's what I see people struggling with the most. It's not the physiological aspects of coming off a drug. Mm. It's the psychological aspects that are the most difficult. And it's why people can't stay clean. And a lot of people can't stay clean is Agreed. because of that. And that's a huge battle. And thank god we are starting to talk about it more and it's okay to go to a therapist it's okay to go to psychiatrists you're not weak for doing that that's correct it takes a lot more strength Strength. yeah it takes a lot more strength to say you know what i need help with this Mm -hmm. and to really show up and get somewhere as far as you know your your battleground of mentality is concerned because it's difficult that's right. Not only do we have to hold ourselves accountable, but it's also really important that we have other people in our lives to hold us accountable too. And I think that goes outside mm-hmm. of family as well. I, I think about, you know, having having a job. If, if someone is employed, their motivation is to go to work to get their paycheck um, and maybe some experience or they love what they do. But at the end of the day, our employer is actually holding us accountable to coming in so that we can get that paycheck because if we don't show up, we're not getting the paycheck. So <laughs> in the bigger picture here is not only do we have to hold ourselves accountable, but we should also identify who those other people in our lives that should be could be in are actually holding us accountable yeah it comes back to as i always one of my big key points i did a presentation at horizon village mm-hmm. on like my four main points that have helped me stay clean and really just progress in my life and one of them is vulnerability <laughs> and it's being open i mean the, to me that's like the core staying out of self-pity sure and being vulnerable and open because unfortunately that's the i shouldn't say unfortunately but it's just it's the only way to really feel connection and it's it's such like a paradox because we don't want to be vulnerable and show our real selves because we feel like we'll be rejected Mm -hmm. but the only way to ever completely genuinely authentically be accepted is if we are vulnerable (laughs) sure and so it's this constant battle that we always hold up about all right i don't want what if they reject me Mm -hmm. and then that's why it's another thing i try to practice is just accepting everybody where they're at for who they are at that moment and granted times that can be difficult because people try your patience or you butt heads 100 percent. but it's so important i think for us as human beings just accept everybody where they are Mm -hmm. And not saying we don't honor the mistakes and the things that people need to change, but we need to accept people where they are. 
And so they can feel comfortable with saying, you know what? I'm not very good at this. Can you help me? That's right. And that's such a difficult thing to bring out of people. Isn't it? And I love like jobs like what you do. I think that's a huge, I mean, one of the most important jobs we have around nowadays is hmm. helping people with their mental health. I mean, that is for sure. Now, do you deal a lot with like kind of relationships? Is it, I mean, what do you see mostly of the people who walk in here? I, for me, most of the clientele that I'm working with are coming in with more short-term concerns, mm-hmm. such as contemplating whether or not they want to leave their job and take a different job, okay. contemplating whether or not they want to take some time off of work to take care of themselves, those that are contemplating whether or not they want to take that next step to actually getting married uh, because the pressure is a family and the partner. Ooh, um, commitment. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, that's a really big deal, and I think it's an even bigger deal and such a such an amazing place to be and to recognize that and to actually talk to somebody about it because our family and our friends are going to be the number one influencer Mm -hmm. and pressure on whether or not we should be getting married and it's really important to have a safe place to be able to talk out loud whatever you want without having to worry about somebody challenging that Um, and only us being ourselves and expressing ourselves will we begin to feel comfortable and know what it feels like to actually work towards fulfilling what it is that we need for ourselves like you were saying earlier you know doing what people expect of us yeah Mm -hmm. sometimes it's necessary like job performance, which sometimes is even difficult to keep up with. And there's, I don't, sometimes people miss the mark and don't even know that there are protections in place at the workplace that if you're struggling, that you can have help, whether it's, you know, um, taking time off and you're protected by the Family Medical Leave Act and things like that. But at the end of the day, we're sometimes we get so caught up in the pressure of meeting the expectation, but we are all not meant to meet expectations. We are all good at our own things. We have our own strengths and our own weaknesses. And just because we're not good at something that we thought we should, be doesn't mean Mm. that you know we're not great at something else that somebody else isn't great at that's what we have to remind ourselves we have our own strengths for a reason and we have our own weaknesses for a reason and if we have our weaknesses and we seek out someone who has it as a strength that can build a wonderful long-lasting relationship that's huge that's uh i think really what i always talk about makes in quotes again Mm -hmm. perfect relationship Mm -hmm. is Obviously not the perfection of somebody, but two individuals who are working on themselves, they come together and help each other work on their flaws and become better people. That's and right. I think that's how you you find a great relationship. But I love that you deal with stuff like that because it's so it sounds so minuscule, but it yeah, is. But that's it's a everything huge, though. It is. It's your whole life. It is. And it, I mean... Shit, I should have went and seen some damn counseling before I got married. <laughs> Shouldn't we all, though? Not even if we were getting married or not, just in, in general. Somebody would have told just me even never communication. To do that. yeah. That's another thing, too, that really comes in my way is how to better understand and communicate with significant family members. And I'm not talking about like partners, like a boyfriend or girlfriend. Yeah, just I'm talking even about mothers. Yes, and, absolutely. Yeah. Or in coworkers. You know, it's really interesting. But those, those, what might seem like small things, are the essence of our being in our daily life can make things a lot easier. I mean, a lot of times you find yourself in an argument with somebody Mm. and you end up finally hours down the road realizing you both meant the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that. Like you can do that so often just Mm -hmm. because of going back to language and the language we use. And that's the thing. I always tell people that like language is obviously one of the most beautiful technological tools (laughs) that, you know, the human race has ever come up with. Wow. And it's it, very well said. Yeah, it's super mm-hmm. beautiful, but at the same time, it's super limiting. Sure. Because it's damaging. Yeah, and it can be. And it's just like sometimes, like one word can carry so much weight and have so many different meanings that there is a miscommunication along this road, but you both are trying to achieve the end, same end result. Mm, it's wild. And so it's true. super wild. It's super weird. One of uh, this ethnobotanist, I really like Terrence McKenna, always talked about the world what being... What kind of survey? What's that? What kind of He's survey? He's an ethnobotanist. I've never even heard of that word before. Tell me what that is. <laughs> he basically <laughs> works like, with... i uh, speaking English? <laughs> <laughs> he worked... studies plants and their relation to human beings pretty much ah i hope i remember that they say you learn something new every day (laughs) he was huge into uh hallucinogenic plants and stuff as well oh okay yes but that's what i always say instead of like psychonaut or something i just call him an ethnobotanist because it sounds much better (laughs) but he was just huge on saying um the world is made of language and I always love that concept because really nothing would exist without language in our minds. That's right. Nothing would exist. And but again, it's just so limiting and can really cause communication breakdowns when uh, people don't know how to communicate correctly. So with long lasting impact, with that being said, 
what are some keys to communication? Gosh. <laughs> you said you you said you're in no rush, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because the word is patience. That's the first thing I was thinking mm, okay. of. I mean, when I think about communication, I think that you have to identify that there is a concern around that. And I think that's the first step. And then I also think, you know, when I say patience, it's recognizing that it could be a lifetime of work of making changes within ourselves to better our relationships with other people. Doesn't mean that you're not going to have change right away or within, you know, a few months or a year, but it's going to be a process for the rest mm-hmm. of our lives. It's the same thing as taking care of yourselves, you know, whether it's personal hygiene or going to your annual primary care doctor visit a year, you have to do those things on a regular basis to promote long-term health and change. So I think patience is huge. Willingness to try different things. I'm a huge advocate for if you have a phone, a cell phone, and you have a note section on your phone, when something comes up throughout the day, quickly pull up that note section, just jot down the date mm-hmm. in your thoughts so that you can go back to it, whether it's two days or two weeks or two months later to reference that, uh, whether that's in therapy or for yourself. But yeah, I think of recognizing what you want different in both yourself and your partner. Patience, also thinking about would you be willing to incorporate that person in your life into the therapeutic experience with you Mm. and it doesn't need to be looked at as like a couple's counseling if it's a partner in your life it can be how can that partner be a support to you and Mm -hmm. I think that's also really important when you're in therapy is if you want someone to join even on occasion that that therapist points out what is the agenda for that day to make it clear to both the client and their supported person that day there should be an agenda so both parties know what to expect and to get permission from both parties that they're both willing to um, take part in that and sometimes it can be difficult you know so you also want to be able to acknowledge that too if someone needs a break that they can step out or we can end Mm -hmm. early Um, and then you always want to close with and what are we going to do when we leave here today are we going to talk about this at home or are we not going to talk about this at home it's all those little things that matter so much sometimes it's just thinking and processing about the session when you get home and then coming back to talk about it. And if you are going to talk about it at home, identifying what parts are you going to be discussing and when to know what the cutoff is and when to know when to walk away when it's too much. Because it can get overwhelming sometimes. And I, Absolutely. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Like, are we going to talk about it or not talk about it when we leave here? Mm, it has to be a joint because decision. I can picture that car ride home oh, sometimes. Know, oh, my gosh. I totally I agree. you said that about me. Hey, we're all human. <laughs> exactly. We are. Absolutely. And that check-in with, do you agree with that? Do you Does, does mm-hmm. that sound right to you? Because it's also important for both parties to recognize and hear their that, particip- that participating support if they agree with it on mm-hmm. both sides because that can also be eye-opening in itself not only for those two but for the therapist to bring back and address later on yeah that's so huge there's this clinical psychologist i love in one of his books i just finished not too long ago the chapter is called be precise in your speech hmm. and he really goes on to talk about how when little issues come up that bother you whether you're right or wrong like you could be wrong for you know feeling that or just totally misinterpret somebody's something somebody said but to be precise and say, you know what, this, what you said, I don't understand it. What you said really hurt. And sure. to say it and talk about these things immediately, because those little things, when not said, grow into something so much bigger. Sure. And that was always something that stuck out to me because, I mean, you, I always use the analogy of like, say, a husband cheating on his wife. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, at the end result, you just see a husband who cheated on his wife. What a douchebag. But at the same time... <laughs> you know, maybe he or she didn't say something that was bothering her a year ago. And because it didn't get brought up, she just kind of shut down and their love life went to crap. And he just went to find acceptance somewhere else because he didn't want to bring it up either. And so when we're not communicating, so many problems I find huge problems come from a little tiny problem that was never talked about. I think that's well said. And just to kind of, you know, further discuss that a little bit, not only if there's no communication, do we not know what the other person's thinking, but it's not even necessarily that someone's going to to seek out with intention mm-hmm. what it is that they're missing. Sometimes gradually over time, it naturally occurs in itself um you know sometimes if we're we're not getting along with someone in our lives and we're working with someone day to day side by side in our day job and we get along with them we start to recognize characteristics or traits about the person's personality that we admire or appreciate or want more of and through our partners in ourselves whether current or past partners it's really important to reflect on what did you enjoy with that with that partner what would you want more of from that relationship in your current relationship and what would you want less of or not at all all those things matter 
matter so much. Oh my gosh, they do. Mm-hmm. Those are huge. Mm-hmm. And I love when you know the first point you brought up was patience and how to like take things slower and set kind of smaller goals of what you're going to do the next day. And I always think about the um, zone of proximal development by that Russian neuropsychologist Zagoski, I think his name is. <laughs> And I'm so impressed. He talks with about um, your memory. It's really <laughs> he talks, impressive. I just repeat a bunch of stuff I read. I'm not really smart. And he talks Give about some credit. <laughs> he talks about just setting those small little goals each day mm-hmm. and just okay and obtaining them and then going on because eventually that's going to lead to this ultimately this big goal. And I catch I find a lot of times we get impatient and set this huge gigantic grandiose goal that we're never going to obtain and we expect to obtain it in a week and we don't come close so we feel like a failure we give up and it's i think it's so important to set those small goals and have patience Mm -hmm. in in relationships i totally agree and that end result being just being better feeling happier having things to look forward to the Mm -hmm. the end goal should be for the rest of your life to achieve that but one of my favorite analogies I do not recall where it came from or who I heard it from but in regards to patience and progress one of my favorite analogies is in regards to working out someone commits to working out and they have an end goal whether it's to tone up or or lose weight or just to bring up um, you know their cardio because their doctor told them to when you start working out you don't see results right away mm. But you feel them. You're in a lot of pain. (laughs) But point being, with patience, just because you don't see the change doesn't mean it's not physically and mentally developing within time. And that workout analogy is it may take months before you see any type of change if you're trying to tone or trying to lose weight, but you can physically feel the difference in the pain in itself. So I Hmm. think that that takeaway is just because you don't see it yet doesn't mean that it's not in in progress. I love that analogy. I wish I remembered who came up with it. (laughs) Working out is always a great analogy for a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But the mindfulness, Mm -hmm. because we're here in the moment. Yes. And we are talking about time, doing little things (laughs) that um, can make your night sleep better and I have found ever since I've gotten clean over the last almost two years, mm-hmm. I have absolutely found I used to hate sleep. I don't know why. I used to think it was a waste of time. I used okay. to wish I never had to sleep. Hmm. But now there's nothing better than a good night's sleep. That I mean, that makes or break. doesn't make or break my day. It makes my day a lot easier when I get a good night's sleep. And I think mindfulness is probably the number one thing that helped, has helped me sleep is because my mind isn't racing now when I lay down. Sure. I I haven't done I haven't really thought too much about the bed and you know the my pillows. Oh and... yeah, yeah. That's more of that you know evening ritual as you're getting ready to actually lay your head down mm-hmm. and go to sleep for the night. But there's also those other things too, like you were just mentioning. I mean, you have to also be mindful about what type of content are you exposing yourself. You know, within that hour before you go to bed. Listen, I love 48 hours, but I learned the hard way. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you can't watch 48 hours before you go to bed because then you'll be up all night oh, thinking the worst things are going to happen. So I decided to cut that out and put some type of comedy or some low key drama in my life at nighttime mm-hmm. or my new favorite thing is I love to go on my phone and for about a half an hour um, I like to play words with friends um, if you know what that is it's like a Scrabble game that, it that one's really, been around for a while it has and it's awesome that was it's one like, of like the original games I think it, it was the first game I ever yeah. had but it does it calms down my mind I know what to expect it's easy the thinking involved is very slim sometimes I have to pull up the dictionary app and see what this other person just lay down because I've never heard the word before but aside from, <laughs> but aside from that um, it's really enjoyable and it makes me feel at peace and relaxed to get ready for bed and then I also like to make a point in regards to if someone finds showering or taking a bath to be relaxing that's equally as important again in regards to temperature lighting and sound I like to really encourage people to identify if they're taking a bath what is the type of lighting that they want you know candles can be produce a lot more of a calming light than the actual bathroom light itself consider if you want music playing in the background and if you do you better identify if you want lyrics in that music or if you just Mm. want simple instrumental because that can also really affect the way that we feel music is such a uh, such a wondrous thing to have in our lives and but sometimes lyrics can really influence how mm-hmm. we feel so it's important to identify before you go to bed what type of song is going to make you feel feel most comfortable and relaxed and then with a hot shower or a cool shower which one do you prefer temperature is important lighting is important and then transition into what are you wearing what pillow what blanket and then get ready for a good night's sleep yeah, I like burning my skin off in the shower for some reason. Like a scalding hot shower, oh, and yeah. Then, and then complain that my skin's dry and I have bad dandruff. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> I love the music. is such an awesome thing. Because the other day, it was just yesterday, yeah, 
yesterday this song came on and i was in a great mood not that it put me in a bad mood but i just started like crying mm-hmm. i was like oh my god i'm just crying i mean even um instrumental music sometimes can do can that be moving and it is it's very obviously important to i don't recommend listening to system of a down before you go to sleep <laughs> <laughs> but i think that's, that's, that's wild yeah that's awesome. And I think, yeah, developing that routine before you go to bed, because mm-hmm. that's something I see in the substance use world, too, is, I mean, even I know people who have over almost a year clean who still really struggle to get to sleep. Sure. And to stay asleep when they get to sleep. And I really I see that's that's an issue and that's a problem in a lot of places. And I'm assuming most of the things I find that are prevalent in recovery are really just a normal human being thing. Sometimes they're accentuated because of, you know, Mm -hmm. alcohol or drugs. But well, yeah, I mean, I really find a lot of people just have trouble sleeping because of our monkey minds going everywhere. And oh, sure. We have a lot, a lot to deal with, whether it's work, family, life, finances. I mean, it is an endless Mm -hmm. and take your pick. You know, there's always going to be something on our mind. And the more we can train our mind and our brain to commit to some type of routine before bed, it will eventually Mm. start to pave the way for more often than not having a more peaceful um, transition to sleep. That is huge. It's such a beautiful tool we have of thinking, but Mm. yet Mm -hmm. our our biggest challenge as well. Oh, it certainly is. That's right. I always think of that like a pre-hominid species as out and about, and then we start to learn to, uh, oh, I should hang on to some of these berries and not eat them all right now because I need them for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But then you start then that brings upon worry and and then i think of like suffering and how so much majority of suffering is stuff that's never even happened (laughs) yes oh yes (laughs) it's never even happened and our minds are just going crazy just making stereo i mean Mm -hmm. when my brother and sister died when i was 15 it took me well over probably a decade to like realize it's not normal to think that your best friend is dead and you go into a funeral speech because he didn't answer his phone. <laughs> sure. I think but that's our, well said. Yeah. And our minds really just make up this stuff sometimes. Like, what in the world is going on? Really speaks to, though, how impactful our life experiences continue to, you know, affect us every and day and in think. different ways. And, you know, I don't want to uh, you're human. So for that to happen, not every person's going to experience that. And mm-hmm. that's how you can identify that, you know, that that was a problem. And it shouldn't be happening to you so often that every single time, you know, someone hasn't answered the phone that you go into that worry mode or that worst case scenario mode. And I hope as time's gone on that you've been able to, your brain's been able to challenge itself to kind of put the worry down a little bit and just kind of go into more of a realistic, hoping that's reasonable, that it's reasonable to think, you know, um, maybe their phone's just on silent or you know their appointment went over or they just don't feel like talking <laughs> and that too yeah. that's another one <laughs> isn't that oh the truth? my gosh yeah. yeah i just i remember like oh wait this isn't normal to think this okay mm-hmm. so but i guess my point of bringing that up is that we just our minds are so insane and we bring so much suffering upon ourselves because we can't just learn to be here now as ram das would say yes that's and right And i think that's so important and being in the present. That is that is um, something I think everybody would benefit from practicing. Agreed. That is a fact. And I have to comment again on the um, the BU. And I'm going <laughs> to grab this. Hold on. Yeah, go ahead. So how would we describe so, that to the audience? I love this. So it's it just, you know, whatever. It says BU and then it has this twisty thing up there. So it says wholeheartedly BU, unapologetically BU, mm-hmm. 100% BU, courageously BU. And I love that because it was on your video on your... Uh, on, on your website, website yeah and i love it because those are um huge huge tips for people to be able to feel connection and i think that's so difficult for us once again because of that is somebody if i'm a hundred percent me if i'm courageously me if i'm wholeheartedly me if i'm unapologetically me is somebody going to reject me and it's <laughs> such a big fear that we have mm-hmm. as human beings we're always so worried about being rejected that it keeps us from connecting, but it also is the only way we can connect is when we are wholeheartedly ourselves. And so I love this thing. So if it's gone when I leave, you'll know I took it. <laughs> I think I got that at Hallmark. So I, if it's gone, I'll, I'll know where to get another one. <laughs> or you can just call the cops on me. Wouldn't be no. the first time. No, I would, I would be, you know, that would be a compliment if you took that, you know, so I, w- I wouldn't do that. Really? I hope that somebody says that about their purse when I stole it when I was in the middle of uh, well, a heroin addiction. You know what? They uh, must have really liked my purse. You never know. You never know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is awesome. Well, the, other than the 
the damn technological problems. This has been a great podcast. I feel like I'm going to have to keep having you back. I would love that. So I, since I love you've this. enjoyed it so much mm-hmm. and the way I've seen you react to my technological problems, you're a good <laughs> guest to have on. Oh, good, good. But I will, I'll end with you. And I haven't ended with this for a while, which is surprising because I always try to get people's like main mission statement of life, I guess, for lack of a better term, out of them. Like if you had that last opportunity to share something with whether anybody, especially struggling mental health, mm-hmm. like what would that what would that be? What would you say to people? It's something that I say often to myself, to very important people in, in my life and to as many people that I have the opportunity to say it to. And it is, we cannot be our best for others unless we are our best for ourselves. And that again goes back to that mindfulness of, you know, giving us permission to put ourselves first because if we don't put ourselves first and we're not healthy for ourselves then how can we expect to take care of others Uh, whether that's a partner or children family or friends so that's that's what I would like to share with everyone I love it Mm self-compassion self-care is so important Mm -hmm. so important and people get sick of people saying that like how can you love somebody if you don't love yourself but when you really get down to the essence of it you can't it's so impossible to continuously love other people sure. and care for other people if you are not doing that for yourselves. Because mm. I've always had this gentle heart. I've always had an empathetic heart. I've always wanted to help people, but I really was never doing that. Now, I'm not saying there weren't times in my life where I helped somebody because there were so many that I can think of, but to like find like what I'm doing now and just for a living, I'm out there trying to help people. That's like what you do. You're out there constantly helping people. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't able to give that 100% until I learned how to do that for myself. Ah, sure. And I think that's such a huge thing. You can see bits and pieces of it, of helping and loving and caring for people, but you can never give it a full 100% when you're not doing that for yourself. Oh, I, I absolutely believe that. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's huge. And thank you very much for having me in your office. Thank you for reaching out to me. This was a wonderful experience, a wonderful surprise. And I love being able to, you know, discuss life and anything that comes up in this podcast I thought was really great. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll definitely have to have you on because those are my favorite discussions too. Mm-hmm. Life, whatever yeah. that is. <laughs> there's so many so many topics uh, i can't get enough of it so i will um stay in touch with you for yes, sure please do i would love that i'm gonna get a new interface and i'm gonna come back here and we are going to do one without any interruptions <laughs> hey if there's interruptions that I'll, I'll i'll roll with it that's totally Although fine you were awesome because it's sometimes those interruptions can like ruin the flow of things the but flow. you jumped right back in it it was like great yeah, it's fun yeah, you're like on top it. of it. I had a blast doing it with you. So we Me will too. have to continue these these episodes. I like having people on multiple times because I can like listen and hear my relationship with them grow and sure. the conversations flow and different topics. And yeah, like for example, I wish we weren't out of time because when you had mentioned um, about stealing the purse mm-hmm. and uh, you kind of made a made a joke about that, you hope that they were as forgiving. I would love to be able to talk more about that too because you know that's your brain feeling bad and feeling guilty about it. And remembering that way but it doesn't mean that that person didn't have a positive outcome from that too but mm-hmm. we'll never know if we never speak to them and if we never get that opportunity but that could have been a life-changing moment for that person in ways that we would never understand that's very true and i think i wrote a blog called my paradoxical addiction and it talks okay. about mm-hmm. all the um you know i kind of talk about all the messed up things i have done you know in my addiction and how like screwed up it was that I stole from a 13 year old girl and mm-hmm. you know just so many unbelievably terrible things that I've did but I look at it and I tell people like but I wouldn't be the amazing man that I'm becoming mm-hmm. if it wasn't for those lessons if I didn't have to sit in jail for six weeks sure if I didn't have to go to a rehab and really just be forced to spend that time on myself and like all right Sean you got to figure out how you're going to care for yourself and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing these awesome things right now. I'd still be cooking in the kitchen, walking in there with that empty feeling of, I got to be doing something more than this. Hmm. So well, it's very, in, very insightful. Yeah, I'm very thankful you brought that up, the, the stolen person. So you hear that? Anybody I stole from, you, you're not allowed to be angry, <laughs> and you have to learn something from it. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, just joking. All right, Brittany, thank you so much. Okay, Sean, you thank awesome. you. Look All forward right. to meeting again. All right, bye. Take care.
That was a great episode. Brittany is an awesome, awesome human being. I hope you guys loved this episode as much as I did. And thank you for listening, as always. And once again, if you want to check out Brittany's stuff, you go to BOTWServices.com and see what she has to offer people. So get on the website and check this stuff out. Get on Room9Podcast.com and check our stuff out. And have a great week. Much love. Look forward to an episode with my 12-year-old coming up. So I'm excited about this one. I'm going to sit down with him soon. And I'm not totally sure when I will release it, but you guys will be sure to know. It'll be kind of a shorter episode. I might do like a midweek thing. Obviously, we're not going to sit down and have a conversation for 45 minutes to an hour or whatever. So we'll see. Anywho, love you guys. Room9podcast.com. Check us out on Facebook. Share us. Get on our contact page. Help us spread the message, whether you share Facebook, social media stuff, or if you want to help out monetarily, room9podcast.com backslash support. You can give one time, you can give monthly, and let's get this message going. Let's keep it out there. Keep the love coming. You guys are the best, and much love.